0: Hi everyone, welcome to Outgrow's Marketer of the Month. I'm your host, Saksham Sharda. I'm the Creative Director at Outgrow. And for this month, we're going to interview Terry Tatosian, who is the founding partner at Social Fix, which is a digital marketing agency based in New Jersey. Hello, Terry. Hi, how are you?
1: Thank you for having I me. I
0: am very great to have you here i'm doing really well so we're gonna start with a rapid fire round just to break the ice uh try to keep your answers to one word or one sentence only and here's the first question all right how long does it take you to get ready in the mornings
1: it really depends if i'm in quarantine or not but about 15 minutes
0: okay how many hours of sleep can you survive on Four. Okay. Neil Patel or Gary Vaynerchuk? Oh.
1: Neil Patel.
0: Okay. The biggest mistake of your career?
1: Starting an agency.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Giving presents or getting presents?
1: Giving presents.
0: Okay. How many cups of coffee do you drink per day? Two. Okay. The most valuable skill you've learned in your life? Listening. Mm -hmm. Fill in the blank. An upcoming marketing trend is blank.
1: Texting. Mm
0: -hmm. Your favorite Tiger King character? (laughs)
1: I have not watched Tiger King.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. That's the end of the rapid fire round. Let's go on to the bigger questions now. Uh, Why did you start Social Fix? And how did you come up with the name Social Fix? As we know, this is the biggest mistake to starting a digital agency. But uh, (laughs) tell us more about it.
1: (laughs) Yes. So um, it actually just kind of evolved from... um, Being in the technical field initially, I have a computer science degree uh, from university and then ended up working in the IT field for about seven years at one of the largest law firms in the world. And, um, you know, just like everything else, life changes. You end up having a baby. Um, I ended up having a baby, um, uh, commuted for um, too many hours a day and ended up kind of starting on my own from home, uh, utilizing whatever skill sets that I had, and um, that's how the agency was was born. It actually became Social Fix a little bit later. It was originally a different company name, and um, we had started building, a, of all things, a social networking platform before... Facebook was even in existence. So at that time, the biggest social networking platform was Friendster. So um, we had started kind of building something similar to that that involved a bit more net social networking uh, features than Friendster had. And um, we, were, we were going to call it Social Fix. And uh just kind of evolved from there into an agency. A lot of people wanted to know you know how are you guys doing it? How can you help us? And it just kind of changed.
0: <laughs> Interesting. So, how how does a social network become a digital marketing agency? Like, what was the process by which you guys ended up doing that?
1: Um, just organically, it just changed. Uh, people really liked the work that we were doing for our own. Platform, um, which eventually we ended up retiring. And from there, we had built another platform for lead referral um, networking. It was called Quote City. And, um, you know, people really liked it. They ended up being very interested in the skill set that it took to actually build something like that. Uh, from the mm-hmm. creative side of it to the engineering side to the technical side, and they started ask you know, we started getting business to actually do that for other people. And over time, it grew into an agency of about 40 people right now that includes technical a technical department, a video department, a content department, and a marketing department.
0: I see. Interesting. And, and what year was this that you had the social network? Because if I were to think of like the time you're talking about it's when a lot of social networks are trying to become Facebook and a lot of them are unable to like Google Plus which just disappeared after a while
1: it was 2004
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah because Facebook wasn't around then was it no it came around correct yeah just later yeah (laughs) okay interesting all right so you were in the middle of that whole rush for getting the social network interesting uh okay so uh the next question is what do you think is the most important to keep in mind when creating a social media strategy to generate quality leads
1: um so the right approach i mean it it really varies depending on who your audience is where they like to congregate where um they get together where they consume their content Uh, But generally for quality leads, um, you know, our approach is to look at what does your audience need? So what are they looking for that you can help them with? What kind of content or skill set or approach or strategy can you provide to them that they can use to better their own lives? And based Mm -hmm. on that, you will gain followers and from the followers and from the awareness that you generate about yourself, um, you can generate a lot of quality leads. Um, So always try to give people something first, especially on social channels uh, before you ask for anything back, because ultimately a lead is something that you're selling. You're selling your audience, them giving you their information, right? So Mm -hmm. anytime somebody lands on your Um, website for example you're pitching and you're asking them well can I have your email address that's a payment Mm -hmm. form in a sense Um, you know getting somebody to follow you on on your uh, social channels you know you're selling that to them you're saying give me your follow give me your like in exchange Mm -hmm. for something that I'm going to provide to you I have to add some kind of a value to you so it's always with that in mind
0: yeah, I completely agree because uh, even at Outgrow, it's kind of dissimilar because everything is, well, we try to tell our clients that everything kind of has to be locked behind a lead generation, but uh, you will only generate a lead if you're providing a value of some sort. And nowadays there's so much information, There's so there's so much competition in general to get that lead, to get someone's email that unless you're actually providing something of real value. is just, uh, the person's just not going to follow you back or like, you know, uh, give you their email. And like one of the examples, cause you mentioned lawyers and it's been like, <laughs> uh, stuck in my head at the beginning, uh, was that, uh, there are a lot of lawyers websites and you, and most of them have like, uh, you know, a contact me kind of, uh, uh, call to action. And that's not really very appealing if you have so many to go through. So instead, if someone had like a, you know, Uh, a simple quiz or like a recommendation that says, see how much I can save you in legal fees, that's actually providing a concrete value. That would be, you know, uh, a much more uh, valuable thing for someone to like, you know, give the lead for. So that's an interesting uh, way of putting it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, in, in some sense, you're always negotiating or you're always selling something um in every interaction and at the end of the day we want people to to have a positive in- interaction with the brand or with the website or you know whatever the company or service provider it is so that you know even if they don't necessarily need what you have today they they've had a positive experience you continuously mm-hmm uh provide value to them over time and eventually you will see that um growth kind of magnify uh for the business and for the brand
0: yeah so so if so they just enter the marketing funnel and they might not convert today but eventually one day they would be in that funnel because they kind of subscribe to you so yeah uh completely agree the next question is uh when it comes to paid ad campaigns do you think it's a science or an art Uh, How do you go about creating a successful paid campaign?
1: That's a great question. So um, from my experience, it's a bit of both, Mm -hmm. right? So it it depends on what industry and what market you're entering. So, for example, if you are in an established market and um, there's plenty of data of uh, benchmarks you you can have comparative information that you can look at other lookalike brands and see you know what they have been able to achieve what some of their data looks like it's more of a science so you know when you're deciding what uh keyword terms or what campaigns will convert the best or what words you want to use in a campaign there's a process that you can follow that relies on data, and then you go through an iterative process to achieve the best result possible over time. Um, mm-hmm. When you're in an emerging market and there's limited data or it's, it's such an innovative product that you don't necessarily have a roadmap to follow, then it's a, a little bit more creative because you have to think about, um, you know, how do I introduce my product? how are people looking for me that may not even know that my product or service exists? How can I collect data to um, begin the process of becoming a little bit more data-driven and, uh, you know, have a a bit more of a scientific approach to it. And then based on that, how do I iterate? Um, But, you know, just like a gambler at a blackjack table, uh, (laughs) you always want to make sure that your odds are, at least slightly in your favor or that you have a chance um, in winning uh, before you even start the process
0: okay that's a nice analogy uh okay so how important do you think uh it is to be interactive and engage with your audience or potential customers
1: so we live in a world where experiences drive all of our interactions Uh, People are, you know, starving for a connection. They want to belong to something. They want to be part of a higher cause. You know, everything we do to interact with our customers, our fans, our audience is just another step to strengthening that bond and the relationship and going deeper into the funnel. Um, So the deeper you get into the funnel, the more likely you are to, to get to a conversion point. Um, So, you know, from my perspective, it's imperative that we're interactive. However, um, you know, there's a lot of brands out there that are going overboard, I feel like, Um, you know, they need to be careful and make sure that they're being authentic and transparent. Um, You know, they need to engage on a level that's agreeable to their audience without losing their trust or diluting their own message. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's important to have um, and to note that not all products and not all brands uh, need to be so deeply connected in the lives of their users. So, you know, being aware of the role that you have in the minds of your audience is also a good guide on how hard you should try to be important, you know, in quotes in in their lives as well.
0: No, I completely get it. That when you want to be interactive with your audience, uh, there still needs to be some sort of a strategy behind it. And it needs to be, you know, well thought instead of just like uh, uh, inundating or like flooding people with like interactive things or uh, constantly bothering your customers with something because that could just get annoying. Because I remember going on some websites and there's just so many pop-ups like, oh, do you want to try this? Do you want to try this? Do you want to try this? I'm just like, okay, no, no, just leave me alone. I I know what I want and I'm here. Uh, just to uh, just to get that, and uh, so yeah, I completely get that there needs to be some sort of a strategy behind it. Uh, oh, All right. So the mm-hmm. next question is, uh, what are the th- what are the top three underrated social media platforms according to you?
1: Underrated. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, if you want to start with overrated, we can do that as
1: well. <laughs> <laughs> well, right now there's. In my opinion, one that's slightly underrated, but um, I mean, what are our, what are our choices? Right? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, TikTok was the most underrated about a year ago, and, and now it's the fastest growing platform. Um, I think there are about 738 million downloads um, of TikTok either per day or per, per year or something to that effect I read the other day. Um, you know, and it's one of the first apps to come out of China and it's captured a really massive global audience. But just a short mm. while ago, it's completely underrated. Um, then we have WeChat groups, which are really popular and um, they are also growing in popularity and not necessarily, you know, a lot of brands are not necessarily taking advantage of them. Instagram stories is, is mm-hmm. I-, I think, pretty standard at this point. Um, It it is interesting how a lot of brands are still not necessarily utilizing it to the best of um, its capabilities. So, you know, that's something to to definitely think about why a brand is not taking advantage of stories. You know, LinkedIn is a powerhouse business platform. So, (laughs) you know, from the groups to the Uh, high interactions and, you know, a ton of relevance, Um, you know, that one can't really be off the list. So I I don't feel it's underrated. But the thing that I feel that is happening under the current right now, under Mm -hmm. the surface, is that there's actually a shift to move away from these traditional social media platforms. Um, Because a lot of brands and a lot of users are getting the feeling that some of their algorithmic changes and the demotion or the censoring of certain type of content is actually working against the platform and people are looking for other ways to connect to each other that is not censored. So, for example, um, you know, if you have a brand that's trying to put out a certain type of ad in a certain type of industry that, for example, Facebook does not like, um, they will not allow your ad to show up to your own audience. They don't allow your own organic posts to even show up in your audience's feed. And these are people that have already liked your page and they want your
0: content. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: So, you know, they're making it hard for people to reach their own followers. So a lot of activity has been shifting away to direct text messaging platforms. Like, for example, Easy Texting is a platform that is opt-in marketing, and they are on par to grow exponentially in the next five years or so. I mean, some of the research that's out there that um, has looked into this is that a lot of customers prefer to communicate over text messaging with a particular business um and um not necessarily all businesses are providing this this service but you know if you really want to know what's trending i always say look at the two p's look at porn and look at political uh the political arena and (laughs) you will know what's going on
0: (laughs) (laughs) well (laughs) that's that's totally true though because if one were to look at like uh uh, you know, similar web, or if you look at like the biggest traffic generators, it is politics and uh, porn. <laughs> Completely right. And I guess porn is pretty much at the forefront of technology because that is the most visited websites, one of the most visited websites on the planet. Uh, I think, yeah. Okay. Uh, but there was something else that you had said. Yes, Facebook. Uh, I did read, like, I think this was last year, maybe two years ago that Facebook said that it's consciously going to limit how much you see from business pages. Uh so if I am just a Facebook user, I'm not going to see so much from even business pages that I've liked to subscribe because they don't want business posts reaching me. They just want my friends posts reaching me. So you're right. So it it then that then it follows that business is going to move away from uh core social media into uh the new things like you're talking about like the text platforms. Hmm. I actually never uh heard of any text platform before, but now I'm gonna keep my uh eyes out for them. <laughs> All right. And have you you mentioned TikTok earlier. Have you actually uh advertised, has your agency advertised on TikTok for any client?
1: Yeah, so a lot of the TikTok activity that we actually do is through influencers. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a much different feeling on, on TikTok than on Instagram. And just from looking at it from an organic perspective of, of how the interactions are occurring, it, it's a lot more heavy-duty interaction. Your content is not as censored. And a lot more people are engaging with it, which is really ironic because it, it's a Chinese company. So
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> which I think, like, at this point makes sense. Now that we're seeing the rise of China, there's going to be a lot of Chinese companies uh, dominating the market, just as there was back in the days of uh, Mark Zuckerberg, which these are still his days, but I mean, like, 2004. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh-huh. okay. Uh, I was going to say I actually saw an advertisement for was it Volkswagen that recently made because Volkswagen had put some advertisements on TikTok where they were actually playing with the patterns that people tend to replicate on TikTok to create an advertisement so that was a creative thing that I saw but anyway uh, the next question is uh, what are the uh, do you want to talk about the overrated social media platforms or are we just going to include Facebook in that because we already talked about how it's uh, not working that well nowadays
1: yeah i i mean facebook has i think the most number of users or the most signed up mm. users whether they're active or or inactive you know is a, is a good question but they are definitely overrated i i've personally watched it degrade over the years where you know we were getting phenomenal engagement on ads on facebook we were getting a great cost per click. Um, you know, it made a lot of sense. The impressions were there and now it's just completely declined. So I'm not really sure if it's because people are no longer paying attention or it's because the ads are being demoted or censored in some way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's really a question for Facebook. But I, I have seen that happen in real time where they were the preferred platform. And, and now it it's almost like an eye roll. Um, Mm -hmm. you know just having to get your ad approved is is a bit of a a nuisance
0: yeah and one would just like in most cases put ads on insta stories via facebook because facebook owns instagram but yeah uh for core facebook marketing i'm not so sure but like small businesses do still have you know business pages because uh i guess it's easy to just make one and take bookings from facebook directly because now they have this widget that allows you to do that so yeah Okay, Uh, but it is a pretty much of a stagnant thing. And also what they did with the cryptocurrency Libra, which I think was quite the talk of the town for like two months. And then people started withdrawing like the partnerships that Facebook had made with like, I don't know, a couple of big companies, they started withdrawing. They're like, we don't want Libra, blah, blah, blah. blah. So yeah, okay. So Facebook, we're going to put an overrated for now.
1: Yeah, I mean, whatever even happened to Libra, right? It was the hottest thing to talk about six months ago. And now there's not anything about it. I I guess they just pulled out of it.
0: Um... Yeah, I think I heard Stripe said one of like, I did hear like a lot of big companies saying they're pulling out of Libra, like Stripe said. We will not be uh, accepting Libra initially. Stripe said they would, but then they said we won't be accept- accepting it anymore. So, and then that just started a whole thing, and now no one talks about it. So, <laughs>
1: right, right.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, so the next question is a lot has been said about influencer marketing. Do you think it works?
1: Yeah, so the short answer absolutely, um, it does work, and the but the long and more complicated answer is you know, it really depends on the influencer. So there's a lot of questions to ask and if you're looking to pay someone to do influencer marketing or you're looking to engage with an influencer, there's a lot of questions to ask beforehand and a lot of data to analyze. So some of the questions are, how was the audience built? Mm -hmm. Were any followers purchased? Um, What is the engagement rate on content produced by the influencer? And then the big kahuna question is, how are you going to measure a result? Now, even if you're looking at the static data that's currently published on an influencer's feed, it does not mean that it's accurate because you can purchase followers and you can purchase Mm -hmm. likes and you can purchase views and impressions. The, The trick is to follow an influencer over a period of time and see how their audience grows, that's ultimately what's going to tell you whether um, it's it's an actual, or real audience. Because everybody has bots and everybody has fake uh, accounts following them. You can't really help that. But you want to know over time, what is the percentage of, of that breakdown? How many mm-hmm. of the 100, let's say 100 influencers that you have, how many of them are fake? How many of them are, are real? And then, based on the real number, what is the real engagement rate? So, if you have um, 10 real followers and 10 of them are engaging with you, that's a that's a great engagement rate. Um, but you know, ultimately, it, it's kind of like a black box. You don't know what you're getting into until you try it out and look at it real time, and you spend enough time with a particular influencer to see if they're driving a result.
0: That's true. And uh, is there nowhere on the internet where one can check a fake follower account? Because I thought there were some websites where you could just like, for, for Twitter, you can definitely do that, I think. I don't know about Instagram.
1: Yes, except that um, they are scraping their data. So it's not necessarily even accurate. And you don't mm-hmm. know what the uh, historical trends are actually look like. So you don't know at what point that they gain massive amounts of influencers. Were they real? Was there a particular event that took place that generated these followers or were they purchased? Um, So it's it's an interesting field that's emerging right now and it's completely non-regulated. So there's quite a bit of fraud that goes on. Um, a great platform actually if you're looking to engage with influencer um marketing is Meet Silo. It's M-E-E-T-S-Y-L-O.com. And mm. they actually validate the data and, and let the brand know um what is real and and what could potentially be
0: fake. Okay. All right. Meet silo. Okay. Uh the next question is, uh well this is a final question. Uh, what are your top three tips for creating a brand strategy that is able to break free of the clutter that we see around nowadays?
1: That's a great question. Um, it's a very important question as well, and I I feel like my my number one item is the market. So to, to me, I always say the market is king. You know, people say content is king, this is king, that's king, whatever. But ultimately, the market is going to determine whether there's a need for the product or the service that you're offering. So, like, I'll, I'll give you an example, telemedicine, right? So mm-hmm. telemedicine was an emerging field. There was quite a bit of chatter about it last year. You know, there there's some advancements that are occurring, but there's no actual mass adoption of the technology. scale Mm. what happens in March (laughs) you know everyone (laughs) is all of a sudden interested in telemedicine and it's become widely used everybody talks about it that's the first thing they think about if they have an earache or you know um, you know some kind of a rash or something like that where they're trying to avoid the hospital so it was instantaneously adopted by the market based on the conditions that are occurring in real time. And it mm-hmm. solves a challenge and people will pay for it. So that's number one. Um, the second thing is identifying your audience and your audience persona, right? So who is the market that you're looking to target? Do they need a problem solved and are they willing to pay for it? how are you talking to those people and where are you reaching them so that's that's the second tip of getting that accurately done and then the third is your competitors right so and and partners are there competitors out there that could be in partnership with you uh, to launch a product or are they going to look to um, squash your innovation or would they be potential buyers of of your innovation? So mm-hmm. how can you leverage your relationships that you have out there? How can you develop new relationships, and um, you know, can you work together in partnership?
0: Okay, those are really three really interesting examples. Because now that I think about it, even on our software, uh, there was a huge spike. Well, uh, related to what you said about the telehealth, uh, is because. Uh, people were avoiding uh, hospitals and hospitals were also consciously, you know, trying to keep the people whose cases could be solved in their houses, like, you know, whatever mild symptoms, not the coronavirus symptoms, but regarding other things. If they could be solved in their house, then they would just want them to do it in their house. So we had a lot of interest uh, from, you know, clinics and everyone who wanted to put up on their website interactive content that would just ask you a couple of questions and determine whether you actually had a particular uh, disease or something, or whether you were just like, you know, uh, whether they were just mild symptoms of something else. So that's interesting. Uh, those three tips were also really interesting. Uh, but that's the end of the uh, this episode. Uh, do you have anything else to say? Add to this?
1: No, thank you so much for inviting me. I think that you guys have a really phenomenal platform. And um, I think that everybody should, pay very close attention on how to create interactive content because ultimately um you know i like to say we're all all brands are entertainers at this point right so we need to um, engage and entertain with our audiences and produce the type of content that they're looking to engage with so um yeah looking forward to all the latest developments and thank you for having me
0: All right. All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for this month's Marketer of the Month episode. That was Terry Tatiosian, who is the founding partner at Social Fix, which is a digital marketing agency based in New Jersey. Do check out their website for more details. And we'll see you once again next month with another Marketer of the Month. Thank you.